Hi everybody, welcome to a new episode of the Womenhood and International Relations Podcast. I'm your host, Natalia Bonilla, and today's episode will follow up on the Women and Water Fest that we launched last March 20th. We are going to tune in to a conversation we had with film director Luisa Pasalacqua on her latest documentary, Red on White, which features menstruation across generations. This is a conversation led by our co-host of the Women and Water Fest, Monica Martins, founder of the Women Being magazine. I hope that you enjoy it and thank you so much. Hello everyone and uh, thank you so much for joining. So my name is Monica Martins. I am the publisher of Women Being magazine, a feminist research magazine that is based in Scotland. Uh, and today we have joined uh, Natalia Bonilla for our event, uh, Women in Water. And we screened uh, the, the, the film, the documentary called uh, Red on White, directed by um, Luisa Pasalacqua. Sorry. <laughs> and so, um, Luisa, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Um, it has been a really pleasure to, to see, to watch your documentary. It was very inspiring for us. Um, so why did, why did you decide to, to do this documentary? What, what inspired you to pick this topic of research? Okay, um, it, it started as a, a student project, actually, because it's my first documentary. So I, I had my, my tutors and my mentors. Uh, I was trying to learn uh, how to do all, you know, to work on all the stages of documentary. But, when, it, when the time came for me to choose the topic, uh, I, you know, I knew it would have to do with somehow with my daughter, because being a mother, being the mother or uh, the mother of a daughter of a, of a girl, uh, made me discover so much about femininity. And so yeah, that's that's why. Uh, so yeah, the, she was you know when I started uh, when I had to make this decision, she was. Uh, 12 so it was easy because that's or maybe she was 13 and she's just she had just had her first period so it was easy we were already embedded in that discourse okay thank you so much so and when when you first spoke with your daughter about menstruation how how did she react what was her reaction which was she open or she was a bit shy, maybe. It's really strange. I don't remember. And uh, I was actually, uh, I had to be a bit self-critical myself when I did this documentary because um, I was actually one of those mothers that I'm, don't have enough closeness for the girl to feel free to talk about it. In fact, in the documentary, if you see the first um, moment, the first interview was with, precisely with my daughter and about her period and she, the, her reaction was quite shy and, and so you can tell that, you know, my level of awareness developed while I was making the documentary, but at the same time there was little, I mean, there was no drama even for me. Even when I had my period, there was no drama, uh, nothing special, just very secretive. So for her, I guess for her, it was similar. There was, it was a, there was secrecy, you know? That, that's what it was like. 
So for, for you, you say that there was like a lot of secrecy around your your period. Were you able to have these conversations that you had with, with these um, young women, with your peers and family, or was it just impossible? <laughs> Sorry, I, 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 the, the volume is very low. Could you repeat the, um, the question with a louder voice? Yes, so okay. you mentioned like a lot of secrecy around um, having your period when, when you first had it. So did you manage like back then to have these conversations, the same conversations that you were having with these girls and that they were having with their moms and their grandmothers? Did you manage to have like these conversations with your peers and family or, or not? Okay, so the question is twofold. Uh, with my peers, um, no. No, because it's one of those things that people don't talk about. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, I, I, I was, uh, it was 1981 when I was 12 and I got my first period. I don't, I don't think there was enough dialogue. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and also in my country, it's all about uh, appearance. So, it, you know, it would have looked bad raising the topic. You don't do that, you know, you don't, you know, Italy, uh, central Italy. Uh, and, uh, in, you know, on the other hand, you know, the, these girls, these girls that I've interviewed, there are three, uh, plus my daughter, I had already developed uh, a, a sort of rapport with them because there was this thing of my daughter being one of them with the, uh, when they, when she attended the Girl Scouts and and so uh, I, I, I was friend with, I mean, I was a, their mothers were my friends and so they saw me they you know so it was kind of easy and I, I guess it's probably also a class thing so those are clearly um, upper middle class girls so they're probably I don't know there's there's more communication as you probably know there's more communication between people the higher you go uh, to the to the top of the society the the more intense the communication between people. And that's a pity. That's a pity, you know? So they, 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 they were okay talking about it. What they reported was the problem, problems with other people, other girls in school, for example. I don't know, Italian schools where, not, you know, Catholic school where people don't talk about menstruation and you have to be ashamed if you leave a bad, a dirty bad in the bathroom and stuff. You know, if you forget to flush the toilet, oh my God, what happened? You know, <laughs> you don't have to talk, you, you never, you know, never end up in such embarrassing situations. And I myself remember when it happened to me or when a friend of mine was staying at my place and they forgot um, a dirty pad somewhere in the toilet and, you know, they were apologizing like, oh no, no, I'm not like that. I'm not like that. Well. It happens, it happened to me, relax. <laughs> There's nothing <laughs> to be ashamed of. Uh, um, and then I realized, you know, I don't know if this is uh, also part of the question, if I may, uh, I, it seems to be the right moment to, to say something that actually didn't find room in the documentary because nobody raised it. I didn't find anything. There, I have a point about uh, this, this fear of leaving dirty pads uh, or forgetting to flush the toilet when there is red in the, on the toilet paper in the toilet, yeah? Mm -hmm. And 
it's actually an unconscious uh, i mean what i know uh, even you know considering considering what uh, you know uh, there is a science that studies the behavior of animals and then when they leave feces when they leave feces around it's to mark the territory hmm. so my point i don't know if i will ever do some research on this it would be interesting my point is that when there are several women in the same household there is one who the first one who leaves a dirty maybe she's a menstruation okay she's got a, her period she leaves a dirty pad in the toilet for everybody to see it's an unconscious and natural like an instinct to be the alpha woman Mm -hmm. And and it's it, it's no matter how hard you try not to do it, the unconscious will make you do it. It's unbelievable. I've observed it so many times. It's really amazing. <laughs> Nobody's I don't know. I couldn't find any any reference to this anywhere, not even in psychology or I don't know. Um, but I, I'm I mean I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Maybe I haven't looked properly. So that I hear about it actually and it's very very interesting <laughs> yeah 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 um so I don't know if I answered your question is there any other mm -hmm. question yes do you, do you think that in in some way uh, participating in this documentary also helped these girls to be more open about this topic with their moms their grandmothers peers and also like support their peers who need it uh, yeah, with their mothers, definitely, because uh, in fact, there are a couple of moments where uh, there was a dialogue between girl, the girls and their mothers, a dialogue that you could tell that had never, never happened before. Mm -hmm. For example, regarding what kind of pads to buy. <laughs> and, and so, um, yeah, that was a pretext. Uh, but imagine how many other conversations never happened that could have happened in front of the screen for the first time. So there were just minor, just little things, really, just uh, that can illustrate um, the fact that unless someone actually raises the the issue or um, or try to intentionally place the attention to onto the topic, nobody does anything. Life just flows without really uh, paying any attention. So, so yeah, they, 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 yeah. Um, I think the, you know, the girls uh, and the mothers were very collaborative from the start, but the, it's not because of the topic in itself. It's because I, my take is that it's always good to appear in a documentary and the mothers, you know, the mother would like uh, the kids to, to be seen because we're all proud of our kids, even myself, I mean, um, or maybe themselves, they wanted to, to, to be in a documentary, it, people like the idea of documentary. Otherwise, I would have never had that level of collaboration. So mm -hmm. the topic in itself was probably not exactly something that we're interested in anyway. And uh, that was a good thing because, if, because in this way, it's more unbiased. So we could have covered any other topic they would have still been collaborative. But because it was that 
that particular topic that they were not particularly interested in, just they were just easy about it. Um, I could easily ask questions without them having, you know, without them having ready-made answers. So you know, when 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 the subjects are biased, it's because they have to make a point. Well, they didn't have to make any point. I probably had to make a point. They didn't have any point to make. So it was unbiased. So it ended up being a project that was better, way better than I expected when I started. I, I thought at the beginning, I thought it's going to be just a student project. But actually, no, uh, because the material was quite, um, I was surprised. I was surprised when I, particularly the grandmothers, uh, one in particular, the grandmother in the middle. Very, very interesting. And what, what, what are your thoughts on the ability that like young people have these days, and in this case, young women, to connect with other girls and, and women from all over the world through internet? Like, do you think it's positive that they are getting like this information about body and menstruation, um, or is it? Mm. I don't know. Is this something that you also would? I've liked to access when you were their age because like when when I was their age there was not even internet yet so <laughs> yeah 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 that, that's a good question and um it's interesting that the answer is in the documentary itself but it's not very clear and I'm pleased about that mm -hmm. um yes the answer is yes I think it's a good thing yes. uh because it's an oral culture nobody calls apparently I'm not aware of anybody in a digital, maybe someone in digital media studies uh, that I'm not aware of, but I'm the only person who refers to YouTube as an oral culture, oral culture, the new oral culture, uh, as opposed to reading, for example. Yes. Uh, that, that, that's because people can upload a uh, video and, and so there is an exchange of information. Uh, you can find your mentors. Uh, in in some cases, it, it can be it can have disturbing consequences. Like for example, in the case of um, uh, some transgender um, transgender kids who they they're not sure whether they belong to transgender culture, and they might be put pressure on. Some of them, uh, there is a part of them that could actually end up transitioning to the other gender to then regret it later because they were actually just confused because they had identity issues so that i'm not sure it's 100 percent positive but when it comes to menstruation or um other things that parents you don't want to ask your parents about certain things then yeah it, it, it's a good thing and there is also by the way this filter that you know if, if if there's something wrong in the video it can be reported so it's not like um peer like gang culture it, there is a regulation there are some regulations so it's out there in the open that people yes. can criticize shut down a channel easily Absolutely, and I think it yeah. also helps like with concerns regarding the information put out there not being true because it's easy to just like spot it and remove it. I suppose that, that yeah. also you as a mother to like be uh, yeah, more comfortable about your daughter accessing all this information on, on YouTube. 
Yeah. So, yes? Yes, uh, sorry, I, I, I don't know if there was a question in your state. I thought it was a statement. Maybe I missed it because the volume is still very, very low. I didn't hear the question, sorry. It's okay. So do you, how do you feel like, do you have any concerns regarding like all, your daughter accessing all this information on YouTube? Like, because- as, Oh, as, no. Okay. Yeah, that, that's good. No, 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 I'm not concerned because, no, because, uh, well, now she's uh, nearly 16. Uh, but even then, uh, I remember uh, training her to uh, notice when there was something disturbing, because there are some disturbing things. Um, so she, you know, establishing a, a good dialogue with your daughter or with your son, for that matter, everybody, uh, you know, boys and girls alike. Um, it means that when they're not sure, they, the first thing they do, they come to you and tell you about it. Mm -hmm. So, yes, yes. Um, yeah. So, so no, I, I can't hear you if you speaking, sorry. Oh, I don't know if there's any problem here with my mic. Okay, let's it's see. Not, the volume is just very low. I don't know why and if I do, if I can do anything about it, maybe not. <laughs> okay, let me see the next question. So, if you can uh, hear me properly. So the film doesn't show anything graphic related to menstruation, but there are elements in it, like represented by nature, for example, that are related to menstruation to the female body. Why do you choose to add these elements to, and connect them with womanhood? Uh, okay, yes. Uh, apart from the, uh, there is at one point, there is a web page with some uh, little screens where there are some graphic elements, but I don't consider that actually as a graphic element, but so just to, uh, yeah, probably because because I am part of the problem. I could have, I could have actually shown something red on white. Okay, something more graphic. Um, I just I was just experimenting with metaphors, <laughs> so <laughs> I guess it was a drill for me, and I just instinctively. Uh, notice when I was going to places for other reasons, uh, carrying my uh, my um, video camera, I instinctively noticed that there was something related, uh, for example, water, fertility. Um, I don't know why someone told me, some other colleagues of mine uh, watching the, 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 the first rough cuts, they told me, oh, white and red fish, uh, you know, they actually, at the beginning, they criticized me because they said, you never even mentioned the word period. Why? This is about period. So I, that was at the beginning, the first 10 minutes, the first five or 10 minutes. And then I, and, and, and then they said, I only realized you were talking about the period because I had no idea until I saw the white fish and the red fish. <laughs> I found that really, really strange and actually quite flattering because it means I was able to convey that, that the, you know, the meaning of period with, with the metaphor and I went, yes. <laughs> so, and then, the, and then the, the statue of the woman with water again, uh, but also made of metal, so not, not human. So, you know. Um, there's something negative about it 
and then also holding something heavy on the on her head mm. and then the uh, what's the name of the flower the red flower sorry i don't remember i knew but i don't remember uh, there, are, there is a field full of red flowers at the end sorry poppies poppies yes poppies exactly mm -hmm. so this poppies at the end because they're red and there is also reference to um a, a little song like a, a popular saying about well it's quite a mysterious in in italian uh, in our italian culture poppy is there's a sexual meaning there's right. something that has to do with being a girl and mm -hmm. sex so mm -hmm. I, I wasn't even aware of what it meant I, I always wonder still now i'm not clear what it means but the reference to the poppy, <laughs> the, the the poppy as a reference to being a being, being a, a girl rather than a boy and mm -hmm. challenging femininity and there's something along these lines, so it made sense. I don't think there's anything else, and I, I even felt that there weren't enough metaphors in the movie. I don't know. <laughs> they are they are definitely very good. I, I enjoyed like yeah. trying to get it. Um, and so, um, how, how do you, how, as a woman and as a researcher and a psychological anthropologist, how has this documentary changed you? What was your view on menstruation prior to Red on White, and how is it now? Um, it 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 changed my uh, my understanding of what's going on at the moment with the web, because. Mm -hmm. um, because then I realized that there are many other topics as well uh, that I didn't even think of that um, she, that my daughter has access to, and so not only her but everybody, everybody else. Uh, and I'm not aware of that. I, I wasn't uh, maybe um, taking the web and the internet uh, more seriously because I've always dismissed it as you know something not really uh, actually something really annoying. It's annoying, you know, including Facebook and these things, social networks. Actually, actually, it's a it's a big phenomenon and. I, it was about time that I, real, I I accepted it. So it's changed me in that maybe it's not even about menstruation. What I've learned is uh, I've learned more about the digital world. And because they are, for them, because they are natives of technology, it's easier, it was easier for them to absorb this culture and to actually connect and have this interface brain, actually, quite literally, the area of the brain that uh, is, is developed in the brain when you interact with digital media. Uh, they got it that much more developed than us. Um, I'm in my fifties, so so that it, it changed me as a as as a, as a middle aged woman in a digital world. When it comes to menstruation, it made me realize that men just don't get it because when i screened this documentary and i had a, a fundraising event there were still men saying excuse me what, what's the problem 
are you still complaining about this about the world not acknowledging you know fe uh, femininity <laughs> and i was like where in which world are you living excuse me and people who had daughters even no men who had daughters but what's the problem are you still you know are you still complaining <laughs> Do you think we we are the problem really you know they and then and then because i know every single one of them because one could say well maybe they were actually good people you know men you know evolved mm -hmm. uh maybe knowledgeable or, uh with no one could say they were with, with no um prejudice or discrimination behavior mm -hmm. uh, but actually i knew them because they were my friends as well mm -hmm. and one of them what was my partner at that time it was he was and and the comments i heard from him afterwards like he was complaining that some women when they have the period they because he was an, uh, an entrepreneur so he had um, employees, okay? And female employees, sometimes there was like probably one or two who would stay at home and not work because of their period pain. Mm -hmm. And so he, the, the, the first thing he told me after the screening was uh, a comment, a very sarcastic comment about this, that he said something like, oh, well, it's a very, very important topic because I think that all women should stay at home when they have their first their period, the first day of their period. It's but he said that in a very, very sarcastic way. It wasn't serious. It was very sarcastic about it. So it's, that, that's also what I learned about, particularly about menstruation. You've <laughs> also learned that some people are still have still not learned about uh, what what menstruation is and how it affects our bodies, our yeah, our mental health. Yeah. And uh, how do you think that each one of us can help young young girls around us? I also have I've got an eight year old uh, niece and a fourteen year old and another fourteen year old niece. How I'm, I'm I'm very open speaking about these topics with them, but how what how would you say that we can help like these young girls to connect to their bodies and to their female cycles their women? yeah, yeah um, i knew about this question and um, sadly this is the most difficult one to answer because this is not just about menstruation mm -hmm. or even just about femininity this is about corporeality and the problem uh, is so radical uh, that is so everywhere, universal. Uh, it's it's everywhere on the planet, uh, even bigger than misogyny it's, itself. Misogyny is a universal thing. Well, the problem with corporeality is in, even larger. Um, it's mm, if I if I had, were to be honest and answer honestly, the first thing that one has to do is to acknowledge the fact that we are made of bodily fluids we poo, we pee, we sweat, uh, we spit, we vomit, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. 
And so as a consequence, you know, blood coming out of down, down there, that's fine. Smells, it's okay. Everything, we smell. Uh, it's, this, this is nature. So it's a problem is a nature and culture dilemma. And uh, I, I don't think it's just a Western thing, but in our Western society, it all comes from Plato and whoever uh, he represented the whole culture, you know, the Mediterranean uh, culture of um, contempt for bodily, the body and the matter. And that, that's where it, come, where it comes from. So maybe bef even before, even before getting to the age of eight, nine, ten, much, much earlier, boys, both boys and girls, both boys and girls, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know, and the mothers, you know, the problem is the mo mothers and fathers, do they actually, um, do they actually love the body of their own body and the bo and bodies? Do you actually love your bodily reality? The, you know, the respect, respecting everything about the body. And because then it's, it's a long story because it's not just the matter, it's also the bodily functions. Like, do you actually feed your, your child when he or she is angry as soon as he's, he or she is born? Or do you force a, a schedule on them? Because the body has its own intelligence. If, if we force um, a schedule, a schedule for eating, a schedule for sleeping, a schedule for pooing. You know, that, that psychoanalytic idea of toilet training, that applies to everything. And that's how we uh, impose our power on the body. So if we don't do that first, there's no point in talking about acknowledging the legitimacy of menstruations, you know? That's another rhythm. And that's a problem. Culturally, it's a problem because culture can, uh, disrupt bodily rhythms easily with eating, feces, and what's the other one, uh, sleep. Uh, I don't know, maybe there's another one as well. But with menstruation, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they can't, they, they, they can't uh, disrupt it, you know? Well, they maybe, maybe can fluctuate a little bit, but it's there and it's always going to be there. And that, that sucks, uh, culturally speaking. So, yeah, I don't know if I made myself clear. Yes, yeah, very, very, very well, very good. And I, I would, is it okay if we now ask um, Natalia and Irina and Perla if they have any questions for you? Yeah. So, uh, yes, would you, any of you like to, okay, we have a question from Natalia and from Perla here. So, um, Perla asked, what can you say to the girls that feel ashamed of this topic in public because someone said it is not important? Someone said, okay, so someone said it's not important. How, okay. Um, well, it's hard to say in an abstract way without knowing the, the girl, the specific girl. Um, yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe I, I have a bias because I my other job is counselor. So I, I, I know what to do when someone comes to me and, and says, says that she has a, a, such a problem, a problem that could be similar to this one. Um, so I would probably 
I would probably just say, you know, the, to improve again, the, the, the relationship with one's body, <clears throat> because that applies to everything. Uh, it could be the period, but it could be um, weight. It could be physical appearance in general. It could be the nose, even gender, it could be even gender. So the, the problem with menstruation is, uh, is just one of many things. Uh, but I, I'm not sure you answered your question. Maybe, uh, what could it be? An easy, a quick, quick fix. Well, there, there's something there's something that one can say to people who are challenging. For example, there was one in a chat there was someone who was saying, how do you tell your mom uh, that you've got your period for the first time? Because there are girls who are ashamed of telling their own mothers. And so there were many comments, many answer, proposals. Mine was very, very direct. Mine was, mom, I got my first period and I'm proud of being a woman. <laughs> so you're just very, very upfront <laughs> there, there to say exactly what people don't want to hear and then see what happens. And how difficult or easy was it to have intergenerational dialogues on, men on menstruation? You mean the three levels, the, the grandma, the, the parents? And Mm -hmm. Yes. If there was any challenge. Yes, it was a challenge. Uh, I guess the I guess the challenge could it maybe this is a question to ask the girls because mm -hmm. uh, girls the girls that they my, there was my daughter and another one uh, the only ones who were talking about menstruation uh, when there was the grandmother present during the interview interacting with them. Uh, my feeling was that they were a bit bored uh, while, while the grandmas were, were telling their stories about them not being told anything about menstruation, not, not being able to use anything similar to a pad because they didn't exist. Um, or uh, there is a moment when the grandma, uh, halfway through the documentary, the grandma talks about her first experience when she first had her period and she couldn't even tell her, her own sister. But the girls were like disconnected because it was a totally different situation. Uh, the, not only there wasn't the internet, there wasn't even TV. There maybe, maybe in some lucky places there was a telephone. The one, the one where you have to, you had to dial in a circle like this. So it's total disconnect. I wonder, about, yeah, I wonder about this disconnection because it feels like, um, you know, the the family is the first contact that a girl will seek um, to understand this issue, and um, sometimes through our family members and our uh, women in our family. They don't necessarily, as you were uh, telling just now, like have the knowledge or the interest or, you know, like the care to, you know, go through the process with a girl on their first menstruation and such. And what I was wondering is, 
you know, taboos get passed and shame gets passed through this knowledge sharing at the first, you know, level. And second, you know, the, the fact that women are, or girls are encouraged to go online and go to YouTube to find more about this. And right now we are in an era of fake news. So basically like how much of what they see in the internet is actually something that's gonna educate them. And um, yeah, I just wanted to like, yeah, learn about it. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. No, 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 I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And it's in this is made worse by the fact that in um, city environments, the grandma is not next door or in the same block, like it used to be in, um, in, in villages or extended families. Uh, and so you maybe even when, even when you could possibly talk, talk things through with your grandma, you literally have to you know pick up the phone uh arrange to meet up somewhere at the other end of the town you need a lift you have to go there spend a limited time there then you have to come back maybe there isn't even the right atmosphere because someone else is, is around so there is a logistic problem so which is also why you know we we grown-ups have lost our losing we, we tend to lose leadership with our kids and they resort to youtube which is why it's even more important though that we have we keep the leadership because then there are some contents that are not really not really good they need to know that there are fake news and hopefully they learn that at school but many people don't have that so yeah absolutely i agree we have another question here by Irina. Um, do you think it would be possible to shoot a similar documentary with fathers and daughters? And how do you expect it to be? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. So this is a good question because there was something that was not shown on, on this documentary that could have potentially been included. But unfortunately, it, you know, my mentor <laughs> said, no, 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 no. This is another movie. This is another film, forget it's too much stuff. And I had to remove a lovely uh, dialogue between one of the girls and her older brother. And oh, wow. um, it's so sad, but I think, I think she was right. There was like another branch of the, of the topic that was going adrift. And the topic of father figures and male figures uh, as they can become important in a girl's life uh, for me is very important even more than female to female even more because it has to do with the relationship between genders anyway and the fact that we are actually both um, uh, necessary and different and it's good to be different and it's like in a good team in a good team people are not all the same they have to be different so that they each one is 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 a, um, used for the what they can do best, you know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's very. I look forward. I, I actually had. I used to have a, another uh, project, but it's such a big, big uh, topic. Uh, I had to abort it many times. So 
it, it used to be my first project, my first screenplay, and it's, it's becoming the last one of my life. So hopefully before I die, I'll be able to... Uh, <laughs> maybe it's not, I'm not sure it will be a documentary. It's probably going to be fiction instead, but it's about that, yeah. Sounds okay. Thank you. <laughs> I think we are all looking forward to see what, what you do next. Uh, really exciting. It was really, really good to, to uh, meet you. And I don't know if anyone else has any questions. Um, and if not, um, yeah, Natalia, do you want to say something? Yeah, um, I wanted to ask you about the um, symbolic um, meanings that you were referring to from the poppy. I really uh, enjoy that metaphor, but also the whole connection with water and fertility. Um, I was watching, I mean, it's one of my favorite movies, The Red Tent um, by, um, it was at Anita um, Dama, yes. Diamond, I, I think it's her last name. And they made the uh, Lifetime movie and it was, you know, like uh, four hours long, and I loved it. And one of the things that you were um, saying is that the first day of their period, the, the guys telling like girls like they should stay at home. Um, I think it was your husband that was saying that maybe girls should stay at home the first day of their period. And yeah, my ex, yes. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Um, but it was very, um, I mean, it reminded me of the Red Tent as part of like the circular and tribal communities because, you know, women were in old days, I mean, ancestral um, tribes, you know, sent to, you know, experience their menstruation with other women in the same place. And right now we are just scattered and this, the, the sacredness has been lost. And um, I wonder, as we are seeing that though a certain sacredness is lost, we have other um, part of, parts of the world where women are sent to live in huts, like to just experience their um, menstruation all alone. Like I, you know, like the, the, the most iconic place that people refer to is Nepal, but I know that there are other, you know, circumstances in other places. So I just was wondering, what is your view of maybe this, um, this experiencing of menstruation um, as a sacred thing? And was it lost? And maybe is it something that we can cherish now or like ways to cherish it, um, you know, now? I love this question. I love this question. In fact, it, I will have to contradict myself completely. Um, uh, because I, because when someone I don't remember, maybe Monica, to ask me about uh, when my daughter had a her first period, what, how, what was it like? And I went blank, and I, I said I don't even remember. Actually, I did a big thing, an important thing. I created a ritual, and um, and the ritual I, I just searched the internet just to you know, um, and also remember some reminiscence of st some studies when I studied uh, anthropology. Um, and some drama therapy as well, because that's also my background. So I created some symbols and I got all the female figures involved. I invited everybody. And then they, you know, the custom is that men at one point have to be, uh, they have to go outside. So I, it was really great. I loved that moment. I took all the men and said, now you have to go out. 
<laughs> so they went out, so you started like this, you know, and, and then we had the ritual and then we allowed the men in, back in. And there was this um, aunt from Canada and she was only there by pure coincidence. So she was there, in, you know, in Rome by coincidence because she was visiting uh, my sister. And she ended up in this uh, thing and she realized how important it was and she cried. She cried, she said, thank you for making, allowing me to be part of this amazing thing, you know, that you organize. So, by the way, I'm, and I've entered menopause this year and I'm waiting for the end of lockdown uh, to, to have a menopause ritual for myself. So, and I want it to be in flesh and bones. I'm not going to be happy with the online version. So I think this is, thank you for the question. <laughs> wow, fantastic. And this has been so rich, this conversation. I could just like stay here for hours and hours. <laughs> and uh, anyone else wants to ask anything or? <laughs> I think Irina is in Italy. Maybe mm -hmm. she can share a bit with us. Yes. Yes, I, I'm in Milano, by the way. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I want to tell you, Luisa, that when when uh, my first comment when uh, I watched the um, documentary was that I really um, found myself into those girls. Um, Maybe, I don't know, because I live in a similar society. <laughs> but that's, that, that was my comment, my first comment. And I don't know if you know something more about that, but I'm, I was wondering how the lower classes in Italy um, can approach to, these, uh, to the period, to the menstruation um, topic. I don't know if you, I, I, I didn't know how to tell them, but maybe you know more about that, I don't know. So an idea to get um, lower classes uh, to approach the topic. Yeah. To make it easy for them to approach the topic. Uh, well, sadly, I believe it's, uh, it's it, once more again um, through media, through the media, because the isolation is such that, um, they're always on their mobiles, uh, but it yeah. has to be done in a smart way, uh, in a way that is educational as well, um, by educating their, their parents as well. But I, I don't know if that's the kind of answer you wanted. Uh, I can't think of anything else really. Because the problem yeah. with, yeah. Because um, while watching the movie, I could uh, understand those girls because i think i'm more or less the same social class okay yeah. but uh, um i would expect i don't know if uh, we look uh, at um, the poorest neighborhoods uh, in the big cities i don't know maybe it's different migrants maybe it's different i don't know but maybe you you have more ideas <laughs> Yeah, it, it can be, it's tricky because sometimes a bit like sex, uh, apparently the, the, the taboos are concentrated in the in middle class, probably lower middle class. Mm -hmm. When you go to the, to the bottom or to the top, 
the the taboos are less uh, less strong. Uh, that, that's what I know. But uh, just double check, okay? Don't rely on what I'm yes, saying. Yes. This is what I remember about sexuality in general. I would imagine that the same applies to menstruation. So maybe paradoxically, if you go down to the bottom of the social classes, you probably find careless people who don't just don't care. You know, they they just don't care. Or you know, the upper class because they're more uh, knowledgeable. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I have been wondering what would have happened if I had created a completely different documentary uh, with a, a different social class, uh, because that I, I already happened to be there, which is why it was easy to make the documentary without spending ages, because I had already developed the relationship with these people before, long before. The documentary, but I should I, I had I had to start all over again, I would have probably chosen different social classes to compare them. And I think it would have turned out to be negative in the sense of pessimistic, defeatist. So I, I guess but maybe one trick would be to propose something to, you know, kind of discourses to lower social classes that challenge the defeatism, which by the way, in central southern Italy is very very strong the defeatism the pessimism is unbelievable and so that's something that I would challenge from the start okay and the, the idea of this documentary was also that to just portray something normal you know and you know you got this thing it's coming out of down there and you, you just put the top the pad on and sort it out you don't have to make a, such a big deal Mm -hmm. You can even laugh about it, about the shape of uh, the shape of um, of pads. And uh, by the way, while I was uh, uh, editing, uh, while I was getting advice from colleagues and mentors, potential mentors, I got some very interesting comments about there were there was more about the, the pads, and men wanted me to remove those, and then women wanted me to put put it back in, and. So no, uh, and then, um, by the way, there was this guy, this um, important filmmaker, uh, uh, direct, film director, a senior one, who had a slip of tongue, like a Freudian slip. And he called, uh, instead of saying this, con uh, this um, uh, situation, menstruation, he said, disease. <laughs> he went, oh, what have I said? Oh my God, you know, <laughs> this is something. It's out of context, but it's important. Okay, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe uh, you know, providing narratives that are constructive and not defeatist, because poor people tend to feel defeated even you know before even trying. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. It's it's not easy, probably, to do that. Yeah. Okay. Not easy, not easy. No, no, my point is that uh, I don't know if this is, I mean, I, I'm, I'm already editing my second documentary now. Uh, so I think I'll, I'll be, you know, it's, I can carry on. I'd like to carry on making documentaries. My point as a documentary uh, filmmaker is that we should only make a film if we have a solution. If we don't, we end up perpetuating the same defeatist narratives, which is 
unfortunately uh, a trend in documentary filmmaking, but I understand this is not the context to talk about it. This is more about women and menstruation. So uh, just, <laughs> I felt I had to say it. <laughs> we are okay with it. It's okay to just reach um, this um, challenging. We need to have hard conversations, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. So, all right. Is anything anyone would like to add anything else? The conversation. Yeah, I would like to um, ask Luisa, um, basically, how can we support your work moving forward? Um, I don't know if you have like any upcoming events or um, social media that we can follow and tag you and uh, um, look forward for more information. Uh, yes, thank you for asking me. Um, I don't know if the, the topics will be uh, still, I mean, if, if you're assuming that I'll stick to this topic. Um, I, I might do at some point, come back uh, to this topic, but my next documentary is about something completely different, only vaguely related. Actually it is, because it's about um, uh, South Korean shamanism. And it happens to be the only shamanism that's, that is matrilinear. And it's women, only women. It's, it tends to be mostly women. It's the only one in the world. So it's actually related. So probably probably, what I can do is um, uh, maybe just share my contacts and, and maybe uh, also improve the web pages. And I don't know what you were thinking uh, when you say support, supporting, did you mean disseminating? Yeah, like yeah, like um, how can we maybe um, join part of the campaigns, any campaign that you have, any event that you have so we can join or like, for example, this movie, where can it be seen so we can, you know, this is going to be recorded. I mean, it's being recorded, um, but for people to be like, hey, I want to know more. Where can I find the red and white film? How can I see it? How can I engage in a conversation? That's it. <laughs> Absolutely. So I have an electronic press kit with all these uh, pieces of information. Uh, and so perhaps I could share it with you guys. I don't know how we can be put in touch. Um, yeah, we are going to, um, we can upload it for the description box of this episode. So that way people can actually download the press kit and have all the information of the red and white film and as well as any um, tags or um, handles of Instagram or Facebook, etc. We are going to be listing it down on the episode. And I think that through women being, if there are more questions moving forward, they can always reach um, all the network and you know uh, continue supporting all this work, this important work. We need to continue filmmaking and writing stories about women. Um, I mean, I, I'm also a documentary filmmaker and it's like, you know, I've been doing it three times already. And it's like right now, that's the road. Like we need more women directors, women perspectives on women's issues rather than men's. Yeah. 
telling us what to do, what to think, and how to view ourselves, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm so excited for that. And Monica, thank you so much for um, hosting this with Women Being. Um, how can we follow all your work as well? And um, looking forward for more soon. Okay. So I would like to say thank you for giving me the chance to be interviewed uh, and also to you know, be appreciated by the right kind of people who can appreciate these things. Um, definitely, um, probably some of the material that I should send you is, uh, isn't actually there. For example, there is no one page for this mm -hmm. film, but I, may, I, I can make one up um, for, for this purpose. So yeah, I'd like to stay in touch with you, all of you guys, and I'd like also mm -hmm. to um, maybe uh, also connect via Facebook perhaps mm -hmm. yes we will do that yeah later. we will have a we, i mean this one was a networking session <laughs> uh, which we're gonna be exchanging um data but we can do it right now on the chat as well if you're interested and um yeah we can also continue the conversation through facebook instagram twitter um and we we can share um the emails as well so we can directly contact each other Excellent. That's great. <laughs> anything else I need to do? Uh, I haven't read because I can't find my glasses. If there is anything in the chat that I was supposed to read and I haven't. Oh, there were two questions actually. Okay. Oh, we... No, this has been. Yeah, we asked. They, they've been they've been actually vocalized by someone else. Yes. Yeah, I I I asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, lovely. This Thank you. Girls. So I'm feeling really good that we were like having this conversation and we watched your documentary and yeah, it's really good. It was such a, a lovely afternoon, despite me <laughs> mixing up the time. Uh, yeah, it, it happened. No, I, I was a little bit anxious about this thing. There's always a problem with time zones, but yeah. it went well in the end. Sadly, um, I, you know, I already knew because I, I work, I had a meeting, a work-related meeting for payment, and that ended, I couldn't, I, I couldn't cancel it. I couldn't cancel yes. it in the same, the same day. And so, unfortunately, I couldn't make it earlier than this. So I just want you to know that. Yes, I, we know. Yeah. I, okay. I, <laughs> yes, I, I mentioned that like, it was, uh, yeah, my confusion with the time zone. <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you so much, Monica. Thank you so much, Luisa. We will keep in touch and um, invite everybody to look at the description box of these episodes. We'll go live on Anchor FM and Spotify and iTunes on Monday, World Water Day 2021. So you will be more than welcome to listen to this. Um, I mean, if you're listening already. So thank you so much for tuning in and um, talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.